0: Welcome to the Nicholas Natalie Show, where we chat with entrepreneurs, experts and entertainers to help you live a more fulfilling life and take your business to the next level. This week on the podcast, we're finishing our discussion on the Russia-Ukraine conflict with Ilya Berko. This is a part two. As a refresher, Ilya has a bachelor's degree in political science and government from California State University of Sacramento and has a firsthand experience of what's going on in Ukraine. His parents are first generation immigrants who moved from Ukraine to the US, and he has family that still lives in Ukraine today. He has an inside perspective. perspective. Perspective as to what is going on with the Ukrainian Russian conflict. And if you didn't listen to part one, Go back to last week's episode and listen to that first. Riddle of the week, why was 2019 afraid of 2020? Stay tuned to the end of the episode to find out. This episode was professionally mixed and mastered by a gentleman who you know and love, Grant Singer, the audio engineer icon. If you'd like Grant to audio engineer your podcast, film, or music, click the link to singerville.com in the show notes or reach out to him on Instagram at grantesinger. I created a 60 second quiz to figure out if my ebook, How to Become a Millionaire Through Index Funds is right for you. Take the quiz if you wanna find out if my ebook can help you in your current financial situation. That was the intro, now here is the episode. If you think that the election of
1: president, former president Donald Trump was weird, this television TV celebrity guy being elected into office. Yeah. If you think of that was just the weirdest thing, wait till you hear about Zelensky, okay? So Zelensky prior to his presidency was a TV actor. And he's in the entertainment industry. He's also Jew, Jewish. So Zelensky, uh, being an actor and a comedian, played in a Netflix series called Servant of the People. This Netflix series was primarily, you know, um, offered to, you you know, people in Ukraine. But basically, the, the plot of the show was that this high school teacher somehow, you know, accidentally ends up being the president of Ukraine,
0: So (laughs) he plays the president on screen and then he runs for for the presidency of Ukraine, like in, (laughs) in real life for realsies.
1: And he runs, you know what the name of his party is Hmm. the same name of his TV show, the servant of the people. Oh man. Yeah.
0: Right. Good campaigning right there.
1: Yeah, definitely. But like, I don't even know if this guy even foresaw the events that he had to endure. Hmm. Right. So this guy kind of also, um. Was responsible for Trump getting impeached, because the whole Trump, the, the the first Trump, the first Trump impeachment was due to Trump calling Zelensky and congratulating him for winning the election, and then asking him about uh, Biden's dealings in Ukraine while Joseph Biden was the vice president of the United States. You may may or may not know uh, Joseph Biden's son Hunter Biden worked for a Ukrainian oil company called Burisma Holdings. That company was under infig- under investigation for corruption and money laundering. Biden travels over to Ukraine and fires the prosecutor who's investigating Burisma Holdings, which Hunter Biden's son is on the board for. Trump obviously thought that that was suspicious, wanted to get some dirt on his opponent. So he engaged in quid pro quo with Vladimir Zelensky. While that call was occurring, there was a whistleblower in the room. That snitched on Trump, <laughs> and then got the got the word out, and then next thing you know, uh, you know, House of Representatives is, is okay. writing, they're writing articles of impeachment for Donald Trump. But whether you think that that was correct or not, I mean, that's up to debate. I'm just the guy letting you know what happened in case you were curious of why Trump got impeached.
0: So that's basically it. Fascinating. So for the last revolution that we talked about, the violent one that was in 2014, just to provide some numbers. Since 2014, 13,000 civilians, 4,100 Ukrainian troops, and 5,630 pro-Russian separatists have been killed in the conflict that's a large number of people in the past seven years primarily
1: the, the um, all those all those deaths are not due to the revolution in Kiev
0: yeah since 2014
1: since 2014 but all those deaths are due to the fighting that's occurring in the eastern parts of Ukraine so there are two oblasts uh, regions of Ukraine that's essentially seceded from the union they they seceded they seceded themselves from the rest of Ukraine that's Luhansk and Donetsk mm-hmm. Luhansk was the first to do it Donetsk, Donetsk followed uh shortly after basically the the fighting right now it's it's very clear that the rebels that are you know that are separating themselves from Ukraine they're they're backed by by you know russian troops they're
0: not going to admit to that though
1: they're uh, obviously no russia is not going to admit to it you know what i mean because if they admit to it they admit to being at war with you know a sovereign country that's yeah that's it's not good in the eyes of the international community during the obama administration they approved to send javelin anti um, anti anti-tank technology to fight against the uh, pro-russian separatists and if you were to ask me hey does does the united states have any role to play in you know ukraine's you know fight with you know these russian backed separatists that are in the eastern part of ukraine well i'd say maybe obviously we want ukraine to be a stable stable economy about 45 million people live in ukraine so if you have you know a country of 45 a european country of 45 million people you're opening up you know, and you, you have the people, you increase their GDP, you increase their quality of living. They, they engage in international trade. So the West, including the United States, could heavily benefit from having a more developed Ukraine. A, a more developed Ukraine, exactly, because, you know, they'll engage with trade with, with the United States. So, And that's why it's also important for you to know about this topic, you Americans, is because your money, a portion of it, a portion of the money that you give to the government mm-hmm. from working mm-hmm. is in Ukraine right now.
0: Mm-hmm, that's true. We've already sent 8,500 troops exactly. to Poland and Romania for Right,
1: right. However, in aid, foreign aid. Yeah. So the United States sends four, you know, four... I don't know the exact figure. Um, it's in the millions, obviously. Potentially billions. Hang, hang on, I actually do have the figures right here. Just give me a moment. Let me crunch the numbers on my calculator real quick. <laughs> okay, so we have uh, military support. June 2019, the Department of Defense stated that the United States provided $1.5 billion in military assistance since the Ukrainian conflict began in 2014. That's an average of about $30 million a year. In 2016, Congress passed the Ukrainian Security Assistance Initiative, which is meant to support Ukraine's sovereignty and territorial integrity, and to help it defend against further further, uh, foreign aggression. That is a total of $1.1 billion will be apportioned by 2020. So this is a little bit of outdated data um, to fund Ukraine's training programs and operational needs for naval infantry, land and special operations. These funds will also go towards sniper rifles, rocket propelled grenade launchers and counter artillery radar systems. If you're wondering where I got these figures, it's actually from the Congressional Research Center published in September 19th, 2019 at FAS.org. So this is actually, these are numbers from the United States Congress that are reporting on this. So
0: what do you think about that
1: number though? 1.1 billion, $1.1 billion. So uh, the reason it's important for you to know that is don't you want to know where your money's going? I do. Right. We live, we live in a, we live in a country that's for the people by the people. So the people, we live in a democratic Republic. So we, we are electing, you know, members, you know, of, of Congress, Right, and then Congress makes laws. Insider trading, and then (laughs) exactly. So, and then and then Congress, you know, allocates funds. um, Some of those funds, you know, power of the purse. Congress has the power of the purse, so they get to decide um, where our money goes. And your money currently is being used to fight Russian
0: people. So, I, I think that it's something for important for you to know. Hi, friends. If you're enjoying this podcast, please share a screenshot or picture of yourself listening to it on social media and tag me so I can reshare it. If you know someone who'd benefit from listening to this episode as well, please send it their way. Thanks. Back to the episode. Yeah, I agree. It's incredibly important. Let's fast forward to today's conflict. A lot has unfolded in the last few weeks. Russia is continuing to send troops to the border, and we are gearing up. What's Putin's angle I have a few takes of what Putin's angle might be, and I want to run them by you. Firstly, he could simply want to control Ukraine. It's a possibility of why he's willing to go through all of this. He could be afraid of NATO. He could be afraid of an emerging, democratic, prospering Ukraine that could offer an alternative to Putin's increasingly autocratic rule. Or this is just a political play by Putin to paint the West as the villain to the Russian people so he can maintain his popularity. He can say, look at what the West is doing. Look at how they're ruining the world. You need to keep me in office and I can maintain my popularity because I know how to serve you best. And on top of that, I'm throwing a lot at you, is he put in a law one, he's already been in office for 17 of the last 30 years, but he just placed a law that allows him to stay in power until 2036. That's insane. That's wild.
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, if you're the dictator of Russia, you could pass whatever law. And then I don't think people are so inclined to, uh, speak out against it. It'd be tough to, I know exactly. Cause like, say like, For example, like someone calls you and is like, they're conducting a survey and they're like, hey, do you support Vladimir Putin? Uh. Uh, Yeah, I do, totally. So, um, the latest figures, um, from what I've seen, is Putin has maybe about sixty to seventy percent, you know, positive support from the Russian people. So he's a he's essentially a populist. He's very good at portraying himself as like, you know, uh, a a people person, you know, kind of like a politician of the people, Um, very much so how, how Trump tried to portray himself as well, kind of like outside the establishment, you know what I mean, he's not, he's not really a politician, he's just a guy that wants to do what's correct, what's right for his country you know and if your rhetoric is hey i'm going to do whatever is right for my country even if it means to undermine the authority of a foreign nation you know what i mean why would russians you know uh,
0: try to oppose him
1: don't do that yeah why would they why would they you know push back against uh, such a thing but yeah to l- yes yes exactly Nick. to almost nearly nearly 200,000 pe- uh russian soldiers at the borders of ukraine Also, Lukashenko, the president of Belarus, another authoritative leader.
0: Yeah, that's been interesting to see. He
1: has been very friendly towards Vladimir Putin. So he said, hey, bring your troops right in. So uh, Kyiv, the capital of Ukraine, is only 80 kilometers from the Belarusian border. Mm -hmm. Extremely close. So so Russia basically just parked their troops right 80 kilometers from the capital of of Ukraine. They're going for
0: that three-angle attack. Exactly. Exactly from the side and from the top (laughs) and from the peninsula and the bottom from the peninsula yeah yeah i saw a video that was talking about how russia would assault ukraine if they were going to and they said if they made it through the western border they then would attack from belarus from the top and then meet them at the capital down under and up through the peninsula it was interesting it was wild and it makes sense but it was interesting.
1: Yeah, if I was Putin, I'd probably do that. If I wanted, I'd wanted, i do the same exact thing if I was Ukraine. Definitely, definitely. But I'm sure they got generals there that would probably do a lot better job than I would. So I'm not asking for a job, you know what I mean, in the Russian, I would hope not. In the Russian army. Uh, unless Putin wants to, unless you want me to send you my resume, you know what I mean?
0: <laughs> I got a question for you. Yeah. So all of these theories about war are coming to light. And the question becomes is there any monetary gain for anyone that is not Belarus in Russia for us? Or even if NATO gets involved, we would have more access to trade and maybe even with the U S being able to set up bases or have more territory over there, depending on how much we choose to help. But the question becomes who really gains from war and how? Um, yeah, Nick. So, so we're talking about the, the cost of war, war is always expensive. However,
1: War increases the productivity of a country. That's true. Yeah. So it's like, what really got the United States out of the Great Depression? wasn't the New Deal. It was World War II. So who would benefit from a war if Russia would invade Ukraine? N- nothing. No one would. Obviously, as Putin said, there is no victors. Especially if nukes come into play. Especially if nukes come into play. Exactly. There's definitely no victors. But any angle that I look at it from now, I I, I don't... We'll, we'll probably... Outside of Russia, Russia definitely has territorial gain to assume, but if also I think the costs are greater than the rewards because you're also going to have a mass emigration from Ukraine. You're going to have a lot of – you're going to have an immigration crisis yeah. in Europe, United States, and Canada. Yeah. Right now, I'm seeing a lot of Russian people who are who are fleeing their country. They're going through the border from from Tijuana into San Diego, which is where we're at right now, yeah. which is it's crazy to me. You know what I mean? It's like <laughs> It's wild, you know, like yeah, so you're gonna have a You're gonna see a huge immigration crisis uh, occurring and and if the West were to do nothing about Russia invading Ukraine, Instead, you know as a besides saying I will impose sanctions yeah.
0: which is what I'm hearing
1: <laughs> yeah. a lot of the West saying I will impose what? sanctions. We're gonna impose sanctions yeah, harsh just, sanctions Yeah, let's give okay. Them a feed. So you're gonna prevent you know goods food coming into Russia That's gonna co- create them to be more dependent on self-production of food, which is actually good You right. want your country to be self-reliant, right? You're actually doing something good for them. you are gonna impose sanctions Okay, that's probably gonna you know derail them for a little bit, but it's it's gonna bounce back, right? It's it's very reminiscent of how the policy of appeasement was in place during World War Two. Mm. Neville Chamberlain allowed Hitler to take Czechoslovakia. Mm. They did absolutely nothing about. It. Hitler was you know you know kind of he had visions of you know controlling Europe and and. But we don't really know. Maybe Hitler actually just wanted to see Europe go down in flames along with himself. So it's like a grand old, you know, suicidal kind of mission he did. But let's assume that Hitler actually did want to control Europe. He just took Czechoslovakia. Neville Chamberlain, the Prime Minister of England at the time, you know, Great Britain, I should say, just said, hey, let him have it. You know, if we let him have Czechoslovakia, maybe he's not gonna go any further. Yeah. A few years later, 1939, and you know, invades Poland. You give somebody an inch, you get. You give somebody an inch exactly. of power.
0: It's a sweet exactly. taste. Exactly.
1: Yep. Yep. So if 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 we do, if the West does nothing about Russia invading Ukraine, then what else is on the table? What, what else? What else do you think Putin is willing to do? Putin wants Turkey. Oh my gosh. He definitely
0: wants that gas line down in Turkey. Oh yeah. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah, I think Turkey would definitely be concerned with... I got a quote for you. I got a quote for you, and then we'll move on to the last question. Okay. The quote that I saw was that in war, you can die once. In politics, you can die a million times over. And this essentially means that in politics, you can always have an opportunity to regain your reputation. Yeah. Re gain your political popularity oh, yeah. or power or even regain monetarily. Oh, yeah. But those who go to war die. There's less at stake for the politicians who are calling the shots of war.
1: Definitely. Um, In this conflict here, I think that it... Allow me to say it this way. I actually spoke with my parents yesterday mm-hmm. because I was curious what my family is feeling like over there so I have I have aunts and uncles um, that are currently living in Ukraine and I call my parents to ask them hey what are what are those people what are what are those people thinking frankly they have nowhere to go mm. you know um, I have my dad has an uncle out in Ukraine his um, his daughter lives in Italy but he's you know in his 70s so it's not like that they're gonna you know enlist him into the military if if anything were to escalate so Frankly, I think, the, you know, if Russia were to invade Ukraine, it's not really, I don't think citizens should be concerned of, you know, being bombed. I think maybe there is going to be collateral damage. There is definitely going to be, um, you know, some kind of crossfire that they're caught in. Um, But frankly, they're just going to live their lives. You know, this is just the kind of life they're living. They're living in a world where the government's unstable corruption is inevitable um your your neighbor your neighboring country is you know is just an aggressor and i asked my mom hey how does you know what's your brother gonna do is he gonna move to poland you know what i mean because you know we have he has has a residency in That's probably what they're going to try to do. But is Poland even going to allow this exodus of Ukrainians into their country? You know, we know that Poland does not like immigrants. Poland does not allow immigrants in this country. So you're going to have a lot of displaced people, frankly. You're going to have a lot of displaced people. So ultimately, it's, it's, it's the common folk that are suffering. The people in power, you know, they're in, they're in, they're in their mansions. Exactly, they're in their mansions. They're smoking cigars, they're just hanging out, you know. They're they're playing a game of chess. They're not really the ones that are suffering. It's it really is the common folk. Um so my heart just goes out to them. It just goes out to the people. It goes out to the you know, young men that are you know that are you know being enlisted into the army and you know dying and dying for what really, you know. So it's 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 truly a tragedy of of what's occurring do you think they'll go through with it i don't think so you I think, think it's fostering i think what russia is doing is they're trying to come to a compromise mm-hmm. uh, they're trying to come to a compromise they want to get you know the west to come to this agreement to say ukraine will not join nato ukraine is not a country that's able to join nato i think that uh, that is ultimately will, what russia wants and ultimately what russia gets <gasps> you
0: think so i think so it just seems like it's the right move for them. This opportunity has been around for them for a while, but now seems like the right time more than ever. Nick, I had, <laughs> I, I had, yeah, it, 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 it's, it's the ideal move, but but Russia's big and scary. It- <laughs>
1: I would obviously want uh, Ukraine to join NATO for for the you know safety and security, but I think Ukraine also has a cult
0: a huge cultural issue. Oh, yeah, the demographic split.
1: The demographic the demo, you know the demographic split between uh, Russia and Ukraine is you know, Russian ideology is still very, very prevalent within Ukrainian society. Mm-hmm. You have nearly a third of you know people in Ukraine having Russian as their native language.
0: yeah, mm-hmm. you
1: know, you have one side of the country voting for pro. Pro-Russian party member, uh, pro-Russian politician, you have one side that's voting for pro-Ukrainian, pro-West party members. Um, so so their, so their division is, is is deeply rooted in, you know, their ethnic ideology or their linguistic ideology. Um, you know, it's interesting. There was a law that passed in Odessa, which is a, a Russian-speaking city in Ukraine, that would ban any Russian dialogue in administrative or government affairs. Wow. However, that law was blocked by Ukrainian parliament, Mm. unfortunately. Listen, okay, I'm not gonna defend fascism over here. (laughs) I'm not gonna (laughs) defend fascism, obviously. Bad thing, Nazis, bad, right? However, it might be good for Ukraine to totally embrace a ukrainian ideology yeah. and have a hardline ban on any russian influence russian media should be banned the you know speaking russian in uh schools public schools speaking russian in you know public affairs any public affair that's you know that's that's occurring um i think russian should be banned And in the private sphere, I think, you know, Russian culture, Russian ideology should be shamed. Hmm. I think that if Ukraine is going to evolve into a, you know, modern, westernized, pro-Ukrainian country, I think there definitely has to be a mindset shift within the people that, you know, within the people that currently live there. They need their own identity. They need their own. Exactly. I, I love that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Ukrainians need their identity. You know, for a long time, Ukraine has been seen as part of Russia. They've always been, like, this vestige of Russian ideology. And the people who believe that, they don't say Ukraine. Yeah. They say the Ukraine. <laughs> oh, no. So, when you hear someone say the Ukraine, essentially, what they're saying is, like, yeah, the Ukraine is just, like, part of of Russia. It's, it's you know, just a vestige. Of, it's kind of like... So, the, the, the language Ukrainian is... Kind of like a rural uh, dialect of old Slavic. So yeah. it was originally called Ruthenian. So Ruthenian was the language of country people in and Rus. Yeah. So and Rus was the first um, Russian state where the capital was in Kiev, modern-day modern, modern day Ukraine. Um, and the Ruthenians were a group of people that lived out in the countryside, mainly like the west of the Niper River. But but now, it's, it, you know, Ukrainians have their own language, they have their own ideology. Um, but essentially, you know, Russia's trying to say, like, no, 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 Ukraine is just a part of Russia. We just need, to, we, we need to stick together, you know what I mean? We're like sister countries, yeah. you know? But obviously, I have my biases, and I'd like to say that, no, no, Ukrainians, we have, we have our own poets, we have our own authors, we have our own... Artists we have you know science science everything in in, in all aspects Ukraine, you know is is separated from Russia ideologically um, linguistically Culturally big-time culturally, you know, it's it's a very different
0: way of living way of being way of way of living exactly So what was the question? (laughs) Yeah, in any case, it's a lot to unpack Ukraine and Russia both have very vast histories, and there are a multitude of political games being played all at once. Nevertheless, Ilya, you made it. You made it to the final question of the podcast. I made it to the end. You made it to the end.
1: And I finished my
0: Ukrainian lager. I'm about a fourth of the way through. Ah, I beat you. (laughs) I got three fourths to go. The final question of the podcast is... What does it mean to live a fulfilling life? There
1: is a quote by the great German philosopher, Friedrich Nietzsche. To live is to suffer, and to survive is to find meaning within the suffering. I've sort of found meaning in my faith. My God, Jesus Christ, has called me to pick up the cross and carry, carry a burden, Right? All the world religions understand that this life thing, it's not easy, right? In Buddhism you see this, you know, in old Judean Christian tradition you see this. Uh, suffering is inevitable, pain is inevitable. Okay, what are you going to do about it, right? You want to be a formidable person. You want to be a formidable person, you want to be a, a strong person. It's absolutely virtuous to be formidable to take on the challenges that, that life throws at you. What I think it is to be fulfilling is to constantly be in pursuit of an ideal version of yourself. For me, it's to be Christ-like. So my God calls me to love my neighbor as I love myself and love God with all my heart, with all my soul, and all my mind. Okay, hopefully we have some time, but I want to talk about a little trip (laughs) I took to Hawaii, okay? okay? So I went snorkeling in Hawaii, and I was swimming, you know, we're supposed to go see sea turtles, and I saw some sea turtles there down in a reef, and the water was about 40 feet deep. And then I'm swimming, and then down at the bo- below, I see two sharks swimming near the bottom of the ocean. And it freaked me out a bit. I'm like, dude, I'm like swimming right above a couple of sharks, right? Yeah. And then... I just thought about sharks. Did you know sharks don't stop swimming? Ever. The Ever, like their whole life, they swim. They're jacked. If they stop swimming, they die. Sharks are constantly moving towards something. They're constantly moving towards a goal, a target. You and I, Nick, we're constantly moving towards something. We're moving towards something engaging in this dialectic here. We're moving towards what we perceive to be is the truth, right, we're pursuing truth. That's a virtue in and of itself. And we have an ideal. That we're constantly striving toward so it's a target inevitably we're gonna we're gonna miss that target it's fine get back on the horse you know be better be a little nicer be a little bit more compassionate be a little bit merciful be a little bit more hard-working be like a shark man just keep like swimming so dorothy said it best <laughs> just keep swimming so i i think that you know re, realizing what my faults are and then being able to better myself, I think. I think that's. I think that's where the joy of life comes in. Being in the company of good people, you know, having the love of friends and family, obviously, is always a plus. And I think that that's where life's story comes from. I like that. Thank you. Thank you. You know, I. I, I was. I I went to Hawaii in a very philosophical and metaphorical state of mind. So I'm glad I got something out of it It's a good story. Thank you. Thank you.
0: Be like a shark. Be like a shark. Yes I'll remember that. Ilya, I want to thank you for your time and for your brain. Nicholas,
1: thank you for having me Yeah,
0: I am glad to have you. (laughs) Ilya, where can people connect with you on the internet? If you would like to get in contact with me (laughs) And further discuss sharks or... The Ukrainian conflict. Or Ukraine, or
1: my experience with Ukraine, or my family's experience with Ukraine, which, by the way, we probably don't have enough time for it, but it's a phenomenal story of how my parents escaped Ukraine.
0: I wanted to know about that. I had a whole category dedicated to it called personal ties that we just didn't get a chance to get to. Well, next episode,
1: right? <laughs> next, next next, time I'm on, Okay. <laughs> Um, But if you want to get in contact with me, iliaberko at hotmail.com, I-L-Y-A-B-I-R-K-O at hotmail.com. You can also find me on Instagram at iliaberko.com. Just type in my name. I am guarantee I'm the only, Ili- out of the 7 billion people that are in this world, I'm the only Ilya Burko. That
0: must feel good. Yeah, I- I- I'm special. Hey. How many N- Nicholas Natalis do you think there are? There are definitely at least three Nick Natalis. At least. I know because I'm friends with them all on Facebook.
1: <laughs> you gotta like hit him up. It's like...
0: <laughs> I'm in an old Nick <laughs> Yeah, group.
1: you're a Nick-, Nick group. You know what I mean?
0: I don't think those other two Nicks are in it, but... <laughs> hey. That's funny. Already. Well... Okay, bye. 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 That was the episode. You just listened to it. Uploads every Friday at 6 a.m. The real reason you're still here. You want to know the answer to the riddle of the week? Why was 2019 afraid of 2020? Because they had a fight in 2021. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Does that bring back some memories? And doesn't it still feel a little bit like 2021? Just a little bit. Just a little bit of nostalgia going into this year. Or maybe it's just lingering emotional damage. This episode was professionally mixed and mastered by a gentleman who you already know. You know him. Guess who? It's Grant Singer. you know what he does. He audio engineers. And if you'd like Grant to audio engineer your podcast, film, or Music, what you got to do is you have to head to the show notes and click Singerville.com. Or you can send him a personalized message on his Instagram or to his Instagram at Grant E. Singer. And don't forget to leave a five-star review, screenshot it, and share it to your Instagram story tagging me so I can reshare it. Lastly, be sure to take the quiz in the show notes to find out if my ebook, How to Become a Millionaire Through Index Funds, is right for you. Take 60 seconds. I believe there's only seven questions and you're not going to regret it. Okay. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. Bye bye. See you. See you next week. See you next week with a really good episode. Bye. Goodbye.